Welcome to Love and Loss, a podcast where we talk about the difficulties surrounding pregnancy and infant loss. It is important to know that although we may sometimes host psychologists and other mental health professionals, this show is not a substitute for therapy and or psychological treatment. We encourage all individuals and families experiencing loss to only listen as you are able. The content of this show can occasionally become triggering to those who have lost a child during pregnancy or infancy. If the substance becomes too difficult, we encourage you to turn it off. Stephanie Eaton is a speech-language pathologist who is currently a stay-at-home mom and an obsessive hand sanitizer for her 23-week gestation surviving twin, Ryan. Stephanie and her husband, Jason, hope to help others through sharing the story of their beloved son and Ryan's guardian angel, Andrew. Welcome, Stephanie, um, to the Love and Loss podcast. Happy to have you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So as you know, one of the things we like to ask families and guests on the show, who is your mom-spiration? And this can be real, it can be fiction, you can make one up. Okay, so I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. (laughs) um, My mom-spiration, I think, would be Molly Weasley from Harry Potter. Um, Just because I think she's, she's like, she's super feisty, but at the same time, she's like, kind of the epitome of like a loving mom. And her home is just like so chaotic, but like full of love. And even kids that like aren't her own kids feel like she's kind of the mom, you know? So I just, I love that just feisty, but loving mom kind of. <laughs> that gives me some goals, like feisty, but <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep up with these kids. <laughs> I know, right? That's awesome. Um, so Stephanie joins us from Texas. Is it El Paso, Stephanie? Yes, El Paso, okay, cool. Texas. Well, I'm just so thrilled that you have come on to share your story. So let's get started. Um, do you want to start by telling us about your pregnancy? Um, sure. So um, my husband Jason and I found out we were pregnant in March of 2019. Um, we had tried for a while. Um, I had some fertility issues kind of going on, so it took us a little while. Um, and I was actually terrified to go in for my first ultrasound because I thought something was going to be wrong. Um, but the day that I went in for my ultrasound actually um, ended up being the best day of my life because I found out that there weren't, there wasn't just one heartbeat. There were two, um, and we were expecting our twins. Um, I. <laughs> When what we was the saw feeling, the twins, like what was the feeling in your heart like I was just I, w- I was so excited like I could not stop laughing I sounded like a maniac I was <laughs> laughing every person we talked to I just was like just like laughing like a crazy person um we like couldn't even wait we called our parents from like the parking deck <laughs> to tell them we were just so excited that was um seriously just the best day of my life we were so happy um I couldn't imagine you know one child is a blessing I felt like two was like a double blessing um we were just so excited (laughs) um but the pregnant you know being pregnant with twins it was kind of tough and um like the whole I was just tired a lot you know the boys were super healthy though they um they were actually our last anatomy scan they were actually both in the 99th percentile for size wow so they were doing really well um 
so things were progressing. <laughs> um, and these I, were your, is this your first pregnancy? Yeah, they were my first. Okay. Um, kind of a, you know, way to jump in there with yeah, <laughs> two babies, you, you know. You really did but, it big. Um, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, a lot of this stuff, I, I guess I just didn't know what things were supposed to feel like. And, you know, I kind of, I think all of us probably replay a lot of things that happened and kind of wonder if, <laughs> kind of wonder if um, there's anything we could have done different or maybe if we had noticed something sooner, I don't know um, if something could have been different. But um, when I was around 23 weeks pregnant, I started to have um, some pelvic pressure, which I kind of just chalked up to being twins. You know, there's a lot of pressure on your pelvic area. Yeah, um, of course. But it, it was kind of persistent. And so I went to the doctor a couple times. Um, the first time they diagnosed me with an infection and gave me some back, some antibiotics um, and sent me on my way. Um, but it, that wasn't helping. It was kind of getting worse. So I went back. And how, the doctor how far, kind of. How like, so they gave you antibiotics. And then how long until you went back? Um, I think it was like two days later. Yeah, um, still I was, yeah, I was actually like on my way to a meeting. and. I was texting my, one of my friends and I was like, I don't know if this is normal. You know, I'm getting this pelvic pressure like every 15 minutes and she's like, <laughs> go yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. So I went back, it was a different doctor and she kind of said the same thing. It's probably the infection. It's Braxton Hicks. It's, you know, they kind of wrote it off and um, I just kept asking questions and I'm really grateful that something told me to keep asking because before she left, she was like, you know what, let's just go ahead and do a vaginal ultrasound. Mm -hmm. um, and she did that. And I just, she, her eyes got big and she said, I can't like your cervix is so thin. <laughs> and she was like, we're sending you by ambulance to a trauma hospital. And um, it was kind of crazy because we were minutes ago, she was sending me home, you know? So it was kind yeah. of like, Oh, okay. Was, and um, so whenever, I can't imagine like what was going through your head and yeah. was your husband with you at that appointment or was he at work? Um, he, I'm trying to remember. He was there. Um, okay. He had showed up. He was, he had been at work and then he showed up when it was taking kind of a while. So I told him and he came, Yeah. Um, which was fortunate. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. yeah. And they did. Um, so at, at the hospital, before they sent me by ambulance, they did get me a steroid shot. Um, just in case. And then they started the magnesium IV to kind of slow contractions. Okay. And um, so they knew then at your, at that appointment. So, you know, there was a lot. It, and I, sometimes I feel bitter about like the healthcare and everything, but um, there was just so many, like, we didn't know. So like, yeah. she didn't know. And so she said, you know, they could be coming. They could not, they could, mm -hmm. you could have several weeks left of pregnancy, you know? So um. I try, I try to keep the bitterness out, <laughs> but, but sometimes it, it is kind of like, man, they should have done more, you know, they should yeah. have given me my second steroid shot and they could have, you know, but, um, but they did what they could and, um, and she was like, you know, chances are they're not coming. And so we kind of calmed down. Mm -hmm. We got to the trauma hospital and they kind of said the same thing. They were like, no, you look pretty good. And, um, they hooked, they put the little, uh, contraction readers on my, on my belly, you know? And um, they were like, well, I mean, we're not seeing any contractions. <laughs> um, I was still getting some pelvic pressure every few, you know, every like 15, 20 minutes. But they were mm -hmm. like, well, it doesn't, we're not seeing it on the machine. Um, they were like, we'll keep you overnight just to monitor you. 
um, but you'll go home in the morning. Um, so we stayed overnight and my husband stayed with me. Thank God. Thank goodness. I told him to go home, but he was like, no, we're, I'm going to stay. Good job. And, um, yeah. Thank I'm, I'm rooting him on from here. <laughs> I know he's, he's, he's a blessing. He was amazing. But, um, in the middle of the night, it's the, the pain was coming like every 10 minutes to the point where I was like curled up in a ball. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> just like, couldn't breathe, couldn't talk, just like in this, ridiculous amount of pain and I texted I don't remember who I texted somebody and said if this is Braxton Hicks then I'm gonna have to have an epidural for this pregnancy because it was so much pain and um and so I finally called the nurse in and um I remember the nurse spending like forever trying to get the fetal monitor heartbeat monitors and she was like it's so hard to get these on twins when they're that small you know Mm because you put it on one and then you get the other one and it's like is that the same twin or is that the different you know so they were spending all this time trying to do this. And finally, the um, the doctor for the day, the um, maternal fetal medicine doctor came in. And she was like, stop doing that. Like, just bring her to the ultrasound. Wow. And um, I got there. And no one seemed to be taking the contraction seriously, I guess, because they weren't showing up on the monitor. Um, and I'll never forget, I, I call it the difference between, like, the art of medicine and the science of medicine. because the machine was saying no contractions, but this doctor took one look at me and I was like curled up trying to breathe through a contraction. And she said, you're in labor. Like, oh, I don't care what the machine God. says. You're in labor. I feel and, like um, even so far in your story, there's so many little pieces that my heart sinks for you, right? Like yeah. hearing you're in labor, hearing we're going to send you to a trauma hospital here. You know, yeah. I just, whew. It was, it was definitely surreal, but I think, I think in the moment, like looking, yeah, looking back, they look like pivotal moments. I think when you're in that position though, it felt like, um, like I still had that optimism of like, Mm. maybe it's not really happening. Maybe I'm not really in labor. Like, right. It's not showing up. Maybe. So I think in the moment it didn't really sink in, you know, I think looking back, it's like, wow, we should have known. Everyone should have known, but you know, we were hoping that that wasn't the case and that, of course, you know, things were going to keep progressing. Yeah. Um, but that doctor did, she took me for an ultrasound and um, there, there was like three or four residents with her. And I just remember all of their faces just kind of like staring at the monitor, kind of like confused. And finally she said, I can't even see your cervix. And she was like, these babies are coming right now. Oh. And I would just, I just burst into tears. I, because I was 23 weeks and four days pregnant. All the pregnancy apps say that like 24 weeks is the week of viability. Um, so really I thought she was telling me, you're not, the babies aren't going to make it. You know, I, I had no idea a baby could survive at 23 weeks, you know? That is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, so, I like how would you respond other than tears, that seems like the only reasonable way to respond. Yeah. And honestly, you're, you're so right. The doctor, she couldn't even, she had nothing to say. I started crying and she, you know, you could see it on her face that like, what do you say to somebody? You know, like, yeah, 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 you're, you should cry because, you know, your babies are coming at 23 weeks, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of when it all kind of crashed down you know and we realized what was happening um and from there things kind of moved really fast um 
they were like really relieved that I agreed to a C-section. I, uh, you know, there was no doubt in my mind just because I felt like that was the fastest way to get them out and intubated and everything. Um, a NICU doctor came down and um, God, those doctors and nurses are just angels. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. He came down and um, he asked us if, sorry, this part is hard. Um, he asked us if we wanted him to try and save our babies. And um, I don't know, nothing can prepare you to hear that, you know? Oh, so even all the pivotal moments that I've heard before, that one, I have chills. Yeah. That one just... Yeah, it's, it's something you never, you know, you just never planned to hear that. Um, and I think you saw it in our faces that we were just shocked. <laughs> And um, yeah. he was such, he's such a great doctor. He, um, he, he kind of, he saw that look and he just said, let's take it step by step. Let's just see, you know, you don't have to make that decision right now. We can just see how it's going and each step of the way you can make that decision. And we were like, yes, <laughs> you know, we don't want to, we don't want to make that call right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, so he left and they, um, they, uh, the plan was to try and start me on another IV to slow contractions. Um, to see how long I could keep them in before um, they had to come out. You know, I think um, even though even though babies survive before 24 weeks, um, the way they explained it to me was 24 weeks is really pivotal for their lung development. Oh. So if I could have gotten to 24 weeks, they probably would have had much more developed lungs, hmm. which, um, you know, would have probably helped with their survival rates. Um, so they started that IV and then they sent down for another steroid injection. So they try and do the steroids to also boost their lung development before they um, are born. Um, unfortunately, the IV um, that they give you to stop, slow the contraction, um, it makes you nauseous. And I think, um, I, I don't know if this IV was just more, I don't know, Maybe it was stronger or maybe it was faster than the previous one. But um, as soon as they, the medicine like hit me, I just threw up. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And um, that force of me throwing up caused my water to break. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, I don't know. I, I remember it like it felt like every ounce of hope that I had just draining out of my body <laughs> because it was you know, that meant the time was now, like we were going now. That's such and, a strong, um, what you just said is a very strong image and metaphor, like, yeah, like hope falling out of your body. Yeah. Oh. Because that's, you know, that's, that's their lifeline. You know, that's what your baby right. needs is to be, you know, to be in your room and, <laughs> you know, you're right. Um, but from there, I felt kind of like a rag doll. They just kind of, you know, flop you over, give you the spinal tap, flop you over onto the table, splay you out, you know? And um, it was just the most traumatizing. I'm sure a planned C-section is not that traumatizing, but, you know, the emergency C-section, I think is just, it's, it's pretty scary. It's terrifying and, um, Thankfully, my husband was there, and he tried to 
tried to make me laugh the whole time, but you physically can't. So I was right. just smiling. I just kept smiling, trying to smile at him to like encourage him to keep going because that was really the only thing that got me through it was that he was right there. Um, yeah, and I mean, you feel them pulling and tugging and, um, and then um, they called out baby A um, and Ryan Luther <laughs> was born. Oh. Um, he didn't, I didn't hear him cry. Um, I'm told later he did, but I didn't hear a cry. Um, and then a minute later, Andrew James was born, um, oh. my baby B. Um, and I did hear Andrew cry. Um, did, I didn't get to- did the nurses know their names before they were born or did they? No, um, no. So they just announced like baby A, baby B. Um, I wondered about that. I mean, cause you see it on TV, yeah. like baby A is here, baby B is here. And I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm not sure maybe if we'd had time, but mm-hmm. no one really had asked me their names. Um, I think because no one really thought they were coming that day. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, maybe like if, if I had had the buildup, they would have known and been able to say like, oh, Ryan yeah. was there, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, I think it was just, you know, kind of rushed and mm-hmm. I don't know. hopefully it wasn't that they didn't think they were going to make it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, but they were both taken to the NICU. Um, I think I think my husband got to go see them briefly, um, but I didn't get to see them. I was taken to a recovery room. Um, I was pretty doped up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, doped up by medications and also just the adrenaline, I'm sure, and the oh, yeah. like, the fear oh, yeah. and the trauma you just experienced. Yeah. Um, I surprisingly, I, I remember that time. So they were born um, around 10 in the morning. And um, I remember like that day I had this weird, like, like everyone around me was kind of like, not mourning already, but they were kind of guarded. And you could tell that it was kind of like, no one was like, it was like, yay, baby. You know, it wasn't like what you picture when people are bringing flowers and balloons. People were bringing me flowers kind of in like a somber, you know, like guarded way and I felt that but at the same time like I had this weird like I wanted to be that new mom you know like I felt like hey I my babies are born like I was kind of in this weird limbo where it was like maybe my babies are gonna be fine like like I hadn't seen them I didn't know like how tiny you know they were and so it was kind of I was in this weird like this weird happy kind of limbo like maybe the drugs helped (laughs) but um, it sounds like that was taken from you, though, if people are kind of like doing half and half, like you yeah, did have, I think, though, like, what do you say to somebody, you know, right, right, like, because you don't want to be like, congratulations, your babies were born four months early, you know, right, like, it's kind of, I think, and people did congratulate us, but it, you could tell they just didn't know, mm. like, is this happy, or is this sad, or, you know, it was kind of this weird, what do you say to somebody when their baby's born that early, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> um, but, but I was, I, I was oddly optimistic <laughs> considering mm-hmm. that, you know, when I found out they were coming, I cried my ass <laughs> Of course. Um, but um, around, let's see, it was around 11 hours after the boys were born. Um, I had tried to go see them and they weren't letting me go. Um, since I had had a spinal tap, I had to pass like a walking test. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why I couldn't go up by wheelchair. Um, that was kind of another another um, bitter topic, <laughs> was just that I, I really wanted to go see the boys and they wouldn't let me. Um, I think in hindsight, I think there was a lot going on in the recovery unit. Um, so I try to kind of soften my heart to that, um, that, you know, I think there was other things going on. Um, and, you know, um, I can't, can't change anything. <laughs> um, but around 11 hours after the boys were born, I did get a call from the NICU. Um, and it was the doctor saying that um, Andrew wasn't doing well and we needed to come be with Andrew. Um, so he was my second baby. Um, and I tried to rip the IV out of my arm and my dad. Who can blame you for that? I mean, I think anyone would. Yeah. Um, our family was there and my dad is a retired Marine and he went and I'm pretty sure he yelled at some poor nurse that it wasn't her fault, but we were all just, it, we were all just in panic mode. And um, yeah. finally someone came and I don't remember who got me into a wheelchair and they rolled me up there. And um, Jason and I went in. Um, and when we went in, there was a crowd of people around Andrew's isolate, and they asked us if we would go wait with Ryan, um, my first twin, um, because they were still trying to save Andrew. Um, so we went over, and that was kind of the first, I think that's kind of when, like, everything hit me, um, because, you know, here's this baby who weighs not even a pound and a half <laughs> with all these lines on him, you know, it's like nothing, like, I've never seen anything like that, you know, like, and I've, I'm a speech therapist. I've been in NICUs and it, this was still the smallest baby I, I had ever seen. And, and it's your baby. Um, so it, it hits mine. Yeah. closer. Yeah. 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 Um, but we, um, we stayed with him for a little bit and, um, I have a little picture of this. He, um, right before they called us over to come be with Andrew, Ryan gave us a little okay sign with his hand. And um, my husband and I will always say that that was Ryan saying, like, hey, mom, I'm going to be okay. Like, you go be with my brother right now. Oh, my God. And so they called us over. And, Babies um, understand so much more than we give them credit for. They really do. They really do. And I think that, um, I just, you know, I think that they kind of understood each other, too, you know? The twin thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, they were there with each other in that moment. And um, so I went over to Andrew and um, I watched his monitor and I watched the numbers kind of dropping as I got over there um, until they hit zero. And the doctor handed me Andrew and he was all wrapped up. And um, I got to hold him while he took his last breath. Oh, my God. Um, and, it, you know, it was just horrible. <laughs> it was just awful to to have to watch your son take his last breath. I don't wish that on anybody. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, they took us to a private room because we were just, we were very, um, very distraught. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, of course you were distraught. To a private room. Yeah. And we got to take turns and we all, my parents came in and we all got to kind of hold him mm-hmm. um, and say goodbye. And um, I got to kiss him, but you know, we didn't have like a blanket to put with him or like an outfit for him to wear. You know, yeah. we had no idea that you know this was four months before these babies were expected. Yeah. Um, so 
but we stayed with him for a while. I don't, I have no idea how long time just kind of was not a thing while we were in there. Right. Um, but did you um, feel like time stood still or that time rushed by or, you know, what? I don't, I don't even know. I have no idea. Cause you're just caught up in the moment. Yeah. It was just like this weird, this weird moment where we were just, it was almost hard to believe that it was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, my mom later told me that when she looked around that room, she just thought this is hell. This must be hell because no one should have to say goodbye to a baby. You know, like that's just, it just seems so, so wrong. I think that's like just the most honest, truest, accurate statement it is hell mm-hmm. it is hell yeah 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 it was I mean in hindsight I I believe that God was with us then and I think that you know he was you know trying to comfort us but I just I don't think anything could have comforted us in that moment you know yeah yeah Oh, I hear somebody. Ryan agreeing. Oh. (laughs) I'm glad that Ryan could tune in for this. (laughs) Um, But that's how my babies came into the world. And um, my my surviving twin, Ryan, um, he had a very long difficult road um he spent 141 days in the NICU oh man <laughs> yeah which honestly when uh with they're considered micro preemies if they're born before 28 weeks um oh so honestly for a micro preemie he um he did well um there are babies that stay much longer there are some that stay less you know um but um it was a it was a long road. <laughs> they say a NICU journey like that is like a roller coaster, yeah. but it's on fire, <laughs> and oh um, it really is. It was it was it was a long road, but um, but we're we're very lucky to have him. He's he's going to be eleven months old this month. So big boy. He's yep, he's getting big and he's doing really well. So oh my gosh. um we're very lucky. We're very lucky that Ryan is doing so well, but we do miss Andrew. Yeah. Um, you know, Stephanie, I think what really I just admire, well, so many things about you, but well, just you. your just your vulnerability and like you have been able to share your true motherhood with us, right? Like you you've shared your tears and your raw emotion and that's like so sacred um so i just i'm just so grateful that you've been willing to express that with us thank you i think um early on like it was just really i i called it i didn't have a filter i just kind of said everything that came to my mind or that i felt and one of my friends told me that i should never apologize for being authentic and so i've really tried throughout all of this to just be honest and authentic and try not to sugarcoat things. Um, but I think, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I appreciate it when other people are, are authentic about their experiences with me. It kind of, it kind of connects everyone, I think. 
Yeah. And I didn't say this at the beginning of the episode, but Stephanie actually, and I grew up together <laughs> um, <laughs> and we kind of grew apart, you know, cause we grew up in church together, but, um, but then hearing her story of loss, I, one thing I remember, and I told you this earlier is I remember on, on social media, you said, um, we lost Andrew and I'm, and we miss him every damn day. And I just, I, I've already told you this, but I just, that um, was so powerful. And I think it's so important for other parents to hear too, just the gravity of your feelings. Um, yeah. Just every damn day. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it's still like that. And it probably always will it, be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't think by sugarcoating it, we do ourselves or anyone's a favor else a favor because that's how it feels. And if somebody else was like, Oh, well, you know, it's sad, but I'm okay. I think that would, that would hurt me because I want to know how you really feel. I want to know that you miss your baby every day and how bad it hurts. And I want you to know that I feel that way too. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes us human, you know? I think a lot of us in the lost community kind of find, um, oh yeah, <laughs> Ryan is talking a lot, um, but I think a lot of us in the lost community find that, um, almost comfort in the openness of our feelings and just saying that we do miss our kids every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's probably why we kind of find each other. Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. So, um, uh, how do you how do you continue to honor Andrew through that grief? So it's you know it's hard, and we um we have little things we like to do. We um you know when you are expecting twins, you have all these you know ideas for how you're going to take pictures of them together, and mm. you know all of those things. The matching outfits, um, yeah, the matching stuff, and two yeah. of everything, and yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing that we that we like to do is um, in pictures we like to include a white rose. Um, so like for milestones and birthdays, we like to try and put a white rose in the pictures um, to kind of symbolize that Andrew should be there too. Um, and we um, we plan, you know, to teach Ryan about Andrew and let him know that he has a brother. Um, because I think that's an important part of Ryan's story yeah. is that, you know, he has, he has this, we call him his guardian angel, you know, that's kind of watching over him, his, his brother. Um, I mean, they grew together, you know, yeah. like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's hard though. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to, um, to kind of recognize that like, every celebration I have for Ryan is also kind of a grieving point for Andrew. Mm. So every, every time Ryan does something, you know, it's, would there have been two babies rolling over right now? Or, you know, would there be two babies turning six months old? Would there be two, you know? So you're holding um, that tension of, um, yeah. of grief and celebration. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, and, you know, you don't want, I don't want Ryan to, you know, every birthday, remember mom being sad over, you know, my brother, but it's hard, you know, you have to kind of balance that, that sadness and that happiness. That's a really good, really 
That's a really good point. And I think with your story, I mean, you know, lost moms have these days that are hard, you know, Mother's Day is hard and Christmas birthdays are hard. And then for you, it's like coupled with celebrations for Ryan. So it's, um, it's just so much that you're feeling at once. Sorry, he's joining us. <laughs> yeah, Ryan is joining us in Sesame Street outfit. Is that right? He is. Sesame Street PJs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and so when Andrew passed, you were still in the hospital, like caring for and taking care of little Ryan. And so how during that time and after that time have you been able to channel that grief? Um, so I, I think about that a lot. I did not handle my grief well in the beginning. What do you mean um, by that? And even, even now, it's a lot of times I throw it all at Ryan. And, um, you know, in the beginning, um, I tried not to think too much about Andrew because it was just really hard. Mm-hmm. And I had to focus on Ryan. And um, he, needed, he needed breast milk. So I was pumping every three hours. and. Um, you know, I just really threw all of my energy into Ryan. Mm-hmm. I um, I might have been a little obsessive about <laughs> his care, um, what I wanted done, and um, I just really, I try. I think I just tried to put everything into Ryan. And um, sorry, he's pooping too. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Ryan, we're talking about a crappy right. situation, so <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Um. But I think um, I read a quote and and I really like it um, about grief. Um, And at first it sounds sad, but um, it's grief is love with no place to go. And when you first hear that, it's kind of, it kind of breaks your heart at first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in the beginning, I had love for two babies. And I thought that maybe I could channel all of the love that I had for Andrew onto Ryan. Yeah. But you can't. I love Ryan completely. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's full. Like, there's no more room for me to love Ryan anymore. Mm-hmm. And by trying to, like, force, force my love for Andrew onto Ryan, I just stressed myself out. And I didn't give myself the opportunity to just love Andrew, too, and to grieve. And... And honestly, at the end of the day, the grief is painful, and and I wish I wish I never had to experience. I wish nobody ever had to lose a baby. But my grief is all I have left of Andrew. And wow, that's powerful. I feel like by carrying that grief around with us every every day for the rest of our lives, I'm carrying Andrew with me every day for the rest of my life. And yeah. so. You are. I kind of, it's like a mix, you know, it's like a love-hate relationship with grief is that I don't want to feel it and it hurts. And some days it's like the worst, the worst feeling I could imagine. But at the same time, I don't want to forget Andrew. And, and so I don't want to forget my grief. I want to keep it, you know. That is going to stick with me. <laughs> That's going to stick with me. Um You've given me a lot of ways to think about my own loss and to um, to think about my own grief. And I think that's one that's, that's going to, I'm going to remember that forever. <laughs> wow. I feel like, um, I, I don't know, I guess um, in after losing Andrew, it's awful, but 
like you're a great example of this but like I don't think I understood um loss until I experienced it myself mm-hmm. and not that it not that I'm glad it happened but I feel like um just that that raw pain that we feel it helps us to connect to each other you know that's true like, I feel like I can connect to 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 other people who have lost a, a child in a way that I never could have before. Um, and I think that connection is really important for us in moving on and not moving yeah. on because we'll never move on, but no. um, I don't know. Carrying on maybe carrying that grief. With us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and I think well, what you said about like, yeah, the us being able to connect as lost parents. And I mean, I, <laughs> the listeners know I'm a Methodist pastor. And so like, I really see that as like a, a deeply theological thing and a holy thing that we've been kind of knit together in that way um, to just like cherish each other. And um, I really like how honest you were about like being in the private room with Andrew, being able to say goodbye and just not feeling God. Um, I think that's like something a lot of lost parents feel um, did faith play any other roles in your grief? Um, so honestly, faith, faith is hard. Yeah, <laughs> It's been hard. I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but there are really bad days where I'm just angry at God <laughs> and I'm angry at the situation. Um, I know, but I hope people encourage you to stay angry. It's, uh, well, maybe yeah. that was the wrong way to say it, but <laughs> to just like really feel those feelings. Cause, right. um, this is my little pastor moment, but like when you open up the book of Psalms and lamentations, it is all people who are like angry, angry, angry. <laughs> uh, and Which, you're allowed honestly, to be. It's, yeah. And it's, a, it's an emotion that we were given. So I, I mean, um, I don't know. So I, I'm angry a lot and I, I will admit, I feel like there's more bad days than good, mm-hmm. <laughs> more days where I'm angry and upset and I don't understand why babies die. And, you know, I don't understand it either. It, you know, it doesn't make sense and I can't, it's hard to understand why some babies survive, you know, and some don't. And, um, but then on the good days, you know, I, I don't see God in the loss of my child, but I see him in like, I call it what happened next. I see him in like the people he brought into my life um, without giving too much personal information away. But um, I met another mom in the NICU. I call her my NICU sister. (laughs) Um, And I see God in her, you know, she, um, when we thought there was a day where we thought we were going to lose Ryan too. And she, came over just, I guess, on a whim and prayed for him. The most powerful prayer I've ever heard in my life. And I honestly think that that saved his life. And, you know, I see God in those moments. And I see God in, like, the outpouring of people who who express their support and love for us. And, um, you know, I see God in Ryan um, and everything he's had to overcome. So, you know, I see... I see God in those moments, not in the loss or in the unfortunate preterm birth, <laughs> right? But I see Him in in what happened after that, and um, I think I think you know um, the death of an infant is not part of His plan, 
mm-hmm. but I think he's there to kind of pick up the pieces. Yeah. You have such a mature faith. <laughs> like <laughs> about your grief and God. then honest about your anger with God yeah. and still <laughs> <laughs> he's burping. He's doing everything. Over here. <laughs> Wait for the spit up. It's coming. <laughs> this, is very, this is so good because this is what I imagine the perfect church to be like, just like farting and like <laughs> um, my child making a fool of himself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I just, I just think, you know, being honest about that anger with God and being able to hold that anger with a gratefulness of picking up the pieces. Like, I think it's okay to feel both. Right. Um, I mean, I will say I'm, I'm on my, you know, I have notes here. So I'm, I'm saying kind of my, how I hope that I feel most of the time, but I do feel like more often than not, I'm angry. And Mm -hmm. there are days where it's hard for me to trust God because Mm -hmm. I don't understand why, why Andrew's not here. So I, I don't want to give off this impression like, you know, everything's dandy and like that, right. you know, um, I'm always in this great place because I'm, I think it's, I think it's normal to have bad days and especially, you know, early on, like more bad days than good. And I think God understands that. Yeah. Better than anyone, any of us could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, we will get ready to, to wrap this up, but I have to know, I have to know, is there a generic or cliche phrase that just really bugs you about child loss? Um, yeah, there, so I have two, um, I'll try and go fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm kind of, kind of gearing towards the twin side. Um, yeah. and if anyone's ever said this to me, I, please don't be offended. Um, because I know they come from a good place, but, um, the first is when anybody says anything like, like, well, at least you still have Ryan. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, I would that one, because obviously I love my son. <laughs> obviously I'm glad I have Ryan. Um, but Ryan's life doesn't negate Andrew's death. It doesn't, right. It doesn't take away the fact that Andrew's gone. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that gets me is anything kind of insinuating negatives about twins. So like, um, like, how would you have done this with two babies? Or, you know, can you imagine if there were two, this would be twice as hard or something like that. And um, that just kills me because harder on the than hardest the day, <laughs> yeah, and on the hardest day, like on the days where I don't know how I'm going to keep going um, and how I'm going to manage all of Ryan's stuff, all of his medical stuff, I would gladly have it be three times as hard if I could have my kids back, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So ne- negative twin comments kind of get me. But. Well, yeah. I think anyone who just heard you say that would just be like, "Oh my gosh, people have said that. Like, how yeah. is that okay?" And and we're all about learning here. So if if you're listening and you have said them, now you know, right? Like, and now- and I think most of us know that like it comes from a good place. It mm-hmm. comes from that like you want to find a silver lining to this situation. But mm-hmm. I think it's. I think we have to remember that there's no silver lining to the loss of a child. Say that again. So that urge. Everyone needs to hear that again. Say that again. <laughs> there's no, there's no silver lining to the loss of a child. There is no silver lining to the loss of a child. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that urge that we have to kind of make things better. It's, there are other ways to channel that, you know, there are better yeah. ways to help somebody than to try and 
try and, you know, find that silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, you've just been a ray of sunshine in sharing the most terrible thing that's ever happened to you. And um, for some of us, just the most terrible thing we'll ever hear. And um, so I'm just so grateful that you were open and honest and able to share your story with us. And um, thank you for letting me share. It's really, it's really helped me to to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Good, good. Well, um, we are holding you in love. And um, I know I, you know, if I ever think about twins, I think about, you know, your babies, both of them, um, and just how important both of them are. So, um, so Andrew and Ryan, we love you and we um, value you as two different, perfect little babies. So yeah, yeah. Um, So this has been an episode of Love and Loss, a podcast where we talk about pregnancy and infant loss. We thank you for listening and hope to have you join us next time.